The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter, there's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reed. All this travel and playing and priorities that really get in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Well, welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday. I've great thighs. Jeremy has great thighs but bad lungs. Just you may not hear much from Roche today because my man is hurting. He's had a week-long virus. Uh, he's starting to exhibit signs that perhaps he is a zombie, and this may be the beginning of the end for the human race. Sweet. Patient zero, Jeremy Roche. Welcome to Net Live, Kevin Barnett on the mic, along with, get this, Chris McGee. What's up, Lakers? Good to be back here on the home court. Oh, my gosh. We're excited to uh, talk to the volleyball masses about a sport I know nothing about anymore. Apparently, you're a basketball guy nowadays. I don't know. I look at the bracket. It looks fine to me. I have no problems with it because I have no nothing. We're going to get to that bracket. We're going to dissect it. And we have a treat for you today because we're going we're gonna to look at the bracket as it was announced yesterday, Selection Sunday. Those that watch the program on ESPNU, we're going to look at that. And then we're also going to go through a 64-team seated bracket put together by Brandon Rosenthal, Mike Sondheimer, and a couple of other guys. And we'll have those guys on here in just a second. And we'll talk about that bracket and the differences that there are between the two, how the matchup changes first round, second round, how the travel changes. We'll have that. We also have two great coaches coming on, two guys who are in the tournament, first time in six years for each of their programs, first time for each of them in their respective programs now. Jason Watson of ASU, Arizona State University, whose team powered into the tournament, victories over USC and over Washington in the last month in addition to a victory over Arizona in the last match of the year, which almost was a championship match to get in to really say we have the right to be in. I'm very proud of both those coaches. Uh, Jason Watson I played against when he was at BYU. He's a great setter. And you've got to give the name of the other coach because we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, we haven't? No. Tom Black. Loyola Marymount University, second season, yep. I re- recall. We went to elementary school and high school together. He was two years behind me. You talk about a, a young man that's come a long way. I mean... I'm really proud of that kid out of UCSD. Was a great volleyball player there, coach there. The best LMU. I mean, you talk about UCSD. rescuing those programs. Those programs were in the dumper. Uh, very, very proud of them. So both good guys, and uh, they got their programs on, on the right track. We're also hoping, we're not sure, if Ben Badipo-Memba is going to call us. And we'll talk to him from Cal, and Cal managed to get themselves in uh, later in the, the season. They were going through all kinds of injuries when I saw them mid-part of the, the year. Playing North Carolina, who they lost to last year in the first round. 
And we'll talk to Ben Bodipo more more as a part of the AVCA Coaches Corner, where we'll talk to Ben Bodipo about how he's seen the scheduling change at all the different places he's been and the advantages, disadvantages, the strategy behind scheduling outside your conference. I think the NCAA uh, is pretty funny sometimes. I think they have like a template and they just plug teams in. Like San Diego is always going to play SC or UCLA right off the bat. Well, right. Never going to host. And you, Hawaii's always going to go to Washington. Uh, they're going to put Cook and McLaughlin in the same region. Well, so that's, play that's like putting two scorpions <laughs> in a box. You just want to see what happens. All right, let's bring in our guys because I know they're hey, all I was really on. happy there's six WCC schools. A couple of years ago, they only, they only put two in there when they should have put about three or four. So I'm real happy with that. I think that those guys deserve it, and uh, I'm happy for that conference. And they did a good job of scheduling outside. All right, we have Brandon Rosenthal. We have Mike Sondheimer. Gentlemen, welcome. Mike Sondheimer, I want to get your reaction, first of all, to the bracket itself as the NCAA put it together. Did they do a better job this year? I think the NCAA committee did the best job they've done in many, many years in terms of the seating, trying to balance out the brackets and put things together. And so overall, I think they did a very, very good job of adjusting the RPI to the coaches' pull, to head-to-head matchups and what teams did. And this is the best I've felt about a bracket in many, many years, that it's really a fair bracket. Rosenthal, do you think that the other factors involved now, Pablo and the other things they were able to consider, perhaps resulted in a better bracket? Well, I think, again, I think some of it goes to the pressure of, you know, getting this right every year. And and the more and more that we talk about it, the more and more that, uh, you know, they feel like, okay, hey, what else can we look at? So I think that there's definitely something to be said about that. Uh, and I think that over time, uh, you know, like Mike said, I think this is definitely um, a better bracket. I think there are still some things wrong with it. Uh, that we'll talk about, Definitely. but uh, you know, ultimately, I think that they are moving towards that, and, and you know, I think change takes some time, uh, and uh, you know, it's good to see that they're listening uh, to a certain extent, but uh, definitely some things that you just kind of scratch your head and. Okay. It make a whole lot of sense. Okay, guys, I know we're going to get to predictions and stuff later in the show when we bring you back for College of Volleyball Weekly. Right now we want to kind of stick to construction of the bracket and, and some first-round stuff that's happening. We'll get to your bracket. Brandon, you mentioned there are some things you would change or you think are wrong with the bracket. Give me one. Well, again, I think one of the things that I would change is, is just looking at some things that – can be moved around. For instance, you've got people playing that just played last week. You've got uh, teams that have played earlier in the season. Uh, it just there's some there's some matchups that just don't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, such as. Oh, okay. For instance, Louisville and Belmont. They just played Saturday, and now they're the opening round match. Uh, again, th- doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, right, rather see Western Kentucky or somebody there. Yeah, no, especially worry about when, saving money. Yeah, especially when you could probably send ETSU to Louisville and send Belmont, which is in Nashville, to uh, Kentucky. Exactly. All right, so Mike, you chime in now with uh, things that you see that are that are things you maybe well, want to change. The thing that I mean, bothers me the, the most job. still is that the West Coast teams have to play the West Coast teams. I mean, San Diego was almost a seeded team, 
Give them, you know, uh, yep. they're stuck in either SC or UCLA's bracket, as was said earlier, but give them a chance to maybe, you know, go someplace else. I mean, even down to Texas or someplace, something, someplace different to do. And then look at some of the other ones, like Penn State. I love Russ Rose and Penn State, but Penn State basically gets a free pass every oh, year yeah. in Sweet 16 because they're trying to match up by areas. But instead of Bowling Green, I'd even like to see, like, a Western Kentucky going there or some other team, another conference, and the Pac-12, you know, team like, you know, like send Hawaii there, send Arizona there. I mean, it's cost a little bit more money, but not a, not a ton of money. Yeah, you know, guys, I, I was joking about this earlier that they, uh, they must just have a template for certain teams. Like, you know where San Diego's going. They're always going to play UCLA or USC. They, they never get shipped anywhere else. Hawaii always has to come to Washington or places like that. And Penn State is always going to have a cakewalk uh, in, in the yeah, first couple of years. Yeah, they have the Ivy League. Yeah, they have someone else in there. And, I mean, Bowling Green is – you know, Bowling Green, there's 10 schools that could have replaced Bowling Green in there to make a tougher second-round matchup. Because, again, if you look at the bracket we'll talk about with Brandon, they could have easily played, you know, the 31st or 32nd seed, which Bowling Green isn't. Yeah, with Penn State, that was kind of funny because Russ Rose got interviewed on the selection show, and they were asking about his first-round opponent or his side of the bracket, and he said, well, we're going to start gathering information on those opponents. Like, yeah, because <laughs> nobody knows who the heck they are, Rose. You know, no. Also, he's got no Pac-12 schools in his bracket, which makes it pretty easy. Of the of the four regions, he's probably the safest pick to get to the to Louisville. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because even like a K State ends up with Nebraska in the second round, second year in a row. Yeah, and send K State over to over to play against Penn State. I mean, do do something different. And you have Washington in that side of the bracket as well, along with Hawaii. And you mentioned that, Mike, moving them. So you have Washington, Hawaii, K State, and Nebraska. All meeting. All together. Yeah, they're all right on top of each other. And that, that that seems like a bit too much when you look over at Penn State and they have Binghamton, Yale, Bowling Green, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. I, yeah, if they get by, it's Ohio State and Kentucky. So, I mean, it's like not exactly, you know, over, over challenging them to do. Now, they are the number one seed, so they should have an easier road. That's definitely They were true. the number eight, eight or nine seed last year and had the same road. Well, absolutely true. and That's where I was going. Last year they were not nearly the team. They didn't have nearly the results or the record, and yet they still end up with the same thing. And, yes, that's a problem. And anytime you mention it, the Volley Talkers, I've seen a couple of threads started by people, and the Volley Talkers go absolutely bonkers and start saying you're criticizing women and hating on Penn State. And stop. Look at the teams. They're not as good. All right, let's talk about what what the committee got right. Yes, Rosenthal. No, I was just going to say, I mean, when we take a look at the bracket, and and here's something that I want everybody to keep in mind. As coaches and as student-athletes, I know that's your favorite term, student-athlete. Uh-huh. Um, it applies to Why volleyball. do we work why, – why do we put in four to – basically somewhere between four to five months' worth of preseason and play and things like that and have everything determined by – uh, mileage. I mean, nobody wants that. And and just a rough calculation, um, when we seeded all 64 teams uh, in the first round, uh, there were 30 flights, or excuse me, uh, there was 36 flights. In the bracket that they produced, there's somewhere around 30 flights. And okay. again, some of the mileage might be off by just a little bit, but the rough, rough calculations. So you're talking about anywhere from, you know, five to ten, ten more flights. You're talking about a whole team. You're talking about a whole team. So let's say, 
let's say it's six. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt, right? And let's say when you travel with okay. a team, you have, what, 12 players and four support staff, 16, okay? Just say 25 is your travel party. Just say 25 is a party. It's perfect. Okay, great. You've got the players, trainers, coaches, you know, great. personnel, that kind of thing. Okay. So if you do the rough math on this, now we take we take there are six extra flights, and there are 25 people per. So you then have times, let's say 600 a ticket, which is a pretty generous estimate right now as far as ticket prices go. You could find something cheaper. You're talking about ninety thousand dollars. You're under a hundred yeah. grand to see the entire tournament, and it's probably cheaper than that. It's probably substantially cheaper than that. It might it might be seventy grand. You're talking about seventy grand. And if someone refresh my memory, what was the basketball contract again? <laughs> billions, multi millions, billions. Yes, hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. That's right. We're talking about seventy thousand dollars for what is really the premier women's sport. Don't tell me about basketball. That's a lie. All right. It's it, they need to lower the rim to make it even approaching a premier sport. <laughs> Volleyball is Kevin. a premier women's sport in college. They should put the money into it. I think. Brandon, what about the bracket you guys put together? You mentioned the differences in in uh, travel costs. The extra ninety thousand dollars estimate, probably less. I'll say that every time. Uh, what about matchups? How do the matchups? How is it better of volleyball take out the dollars? Well, I think you know. Here's what we did. We went ahead and took the sixteen seeded teams that the NCAA selection committee already used, and then after that, we took the rest of those uh, teams and seeded it. And it wasn't just myself; it was uh, a compilation of uh, four different people that you know we. As best as possible, use the RPI, use Pablo, and and just the eye test as well to come up with the actual seating. And then what we did from there is obviously one was 64, two was 63, and then as we got down towards the middle, we we're able to use a little bit more uh, as men's basketball does to regionalize. I think what we got from this was. Uh, seeds one, two, three, four in the region are going to be much more attractive matchups uh, in that region than the re- than what they've produced here. Uh, I think the first round matchups are way more interesting uh, because everybody knows exactly where you stand, and f- for argument's sake, you know why you're playing this person. Well, hey, you're a 15 seed. Well. You're going to have to play a number two seed. Right. And the work that you did during the season is reflected by the seed that you get. And it's not reflected by, you know, how many miles or things like that. Here's here's a question I have, and I would imagine a lot of people have, is, you know, why is Kentucky hosting? And I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, asking that. Uh, But I think one of the major reasons Kentucky is hosting in the first round is it works into the mileage calculation for this area. And uh, they needed another team that uh, they can work that into. Mike, give me your opinion on the the difference in the matchups between the bracket as it is and the bracket that Rose put together with your help. Well, no, Rose pretty much put it together with his own help. I mean, I give him full credit. But the thing that I really like, I think there's some better first-round matchups and better second-round matchups. 
All right, can we? I think you have to look at that a lot of these things are regionalized, and it's not really right to give a team the chance to have to really beat somebody in their bracket that they've either played in non-conference or they've seen all the time, as opposed to making some new matchups. Okay, so Rose, can you post this thing on the Facebook page so people can take a look at it? First of all, I mean, just in the form that it's in, take it and, and yeah, somehow I mean, get it up there. But Penn yeah, State gets Jackson State. Marquette, North Carolina State are next in that bracket. Then Dayton, Bowling Green, Kentucky, and COC, College of Charleston, correct? Correct. Okay, so for instance, with Penn State, since we're complaining about their run, how do you think this really changes what they're up against? Um, in the bracket that I see, or that we we formed, you know, for instance, they're going to have to play a, an up-and-coming Marquette team. Uh, or North Carolina State team, you know, in the second round. Uh, I mean, right away it puts, uh, you know, the onus on that 8-9 matchup. And, again, when you go in in tournament time for the men's basketball, uh, everybody wants to know what the 8-9 matchups are, not only for the first-round match, but what's going to happen in the second round with the number one seeds having to go up against one of those teams? Uh, and I think that's what creates the excitement. It's kind of like what Mike said. It's the first and second rounds uh, that uh, definitely create that excitement. Right now, it's kind of – and you can say whatever you want to about protecting your seeds. Ultimately, again, that work that you've done for five, six months will be reflected in the seeds that you get. And I think the second-round matches will draw a lot more money at those home schools because a lot of them just have cakewalks into the Sweet 16. Right. So who wants to go see that when you could see a, a much better match? Yes. All right. Well, yeah. And then from the from the uh, coach's standpoint, it, it determines the best team at the end of the 64 teams. You know, because they're going to have to go through some challenges. Everybody's going to have to go through some challenges. You're not going to have, uh, you know, all this argument about cakewalk and things like that. You know, in our bracket, uh, which we put Penn State in the West Lafayette region, um, like I said, the 8-9 matchup that Penn State would essentially have to play in the second round is a, a matchup between Marquette and North Carolina State. Both teams... Uh, receiving votes, uh, you know, for the top 25. And then beyond that, you've got Dayton versus Bowling Green and Kentucky versus uh, College of Charleston. What a great second-round matchup there of Dayton and Kentucky, possibly, Where if are you're the just going to go by chalk. Why are, wh- what Bisons? Lipscomb. Yeah, it's a touchy subject. The Lipscomb Bears, where are they? The Lady Bears are uh, taking a year off. Decided oh. to yeah, they're taking a year off. They're hoping for an NIT bird. You guys come out of here and throw salt in my wounds. That's um, an interesting thing. We are not there. We uh, we lost to East Tennessee State, uh, and they they uh, earned their way into the tournament. It's a it's a hard reality right now, and we we're trying to put things in perspective. We won four out of the last five, and uh, we're gonna have to sit on the sidelines on this one. All okay, right. now Belmont got in. Did they win? They're in a different conference now, correct? Belmont did get in. They won the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference, uh, which was dominated all year by Moorhead State, went undefeated, uh, hosted the tournament, and then in the finals uh, lost to Belmont. So it was uh, definitely a, a surprise 
coming out of Ohio Valley. And just extra salt in your wounds. So I'm sorry about that. I'm done talking about fake <laughs> matchups. I want to talk real matchups. Let's talk about some of the. But we've got College Volleyball Weekly coming up. Oh, we up. do? That's why. So you, I want to hold off on that because we're right. going to get to College Volleyball Week. We're going to get to all the great Wake matchups. Wake me up when we get there. We're going to dissect that because <laughs> this, I, I just wanted to talk about the committee and the job they did. I mean, we, we think they did a better job. We've given them some pretty heavy criticism on this show in years past for putting teams in and so giving teams a cakewalk. It? Yeah, it's, it's definitely more fun than talking about how they did the right thing. Outside of Penn State, are there any other mistakes really here, guys? Either one of you chime in. Outside of the Penn State easy run, are there, are there any other things that really jump out at you that could have been different? I think with everybody listening out there, you have to talk about Hawaii. And the thing I will say about that is Hawaii hurt themselves by not leaving Hawaii and playing some other strong teams. Because you look at Hawaii beat the number two seed, they were close with the number seven seed, and that Cal Berkeley loss got penalized them. Okay, Rosenthal. Well, again, I think you talk about uh, you know Kentucky getting the hosts. Um, you know, I think that that's something. You know, definitely worth mentioning. I think you know the other thing to talk about is is just some of the just first round matchups that don't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Belmont versus Louisville. I think Pepperdine versus Dayton is not a matchup that makes a whole lot of sense. They played earlier in the year. Um, North Carolina and Cal. Uh, I think for the second year in a row are second playing in, in the row. first right. round. Second year in a row. Uh, it just. Why did why does it have to happen that way? Yeah, how about Dayton? I mean, that's not much of a of a gift. Twenty six and four having to travel all the way to the West Coast to play Pepperdine, who you already played, and, and that's going to be a tough one in, in in Oregon. Yeah, not a whole lot of help with that, uh, and then and especially against uh, for a team that you know was hovering around the top ten. It, it's got to be one of those things where you. You know, again, what they did this season was not uh, rewarded. All right, who didn't get in? Who didn't get any reward for the work done this season, Mike? I think they actually did a pretty good job. I mean, you can look at Arizona and the Pac-12 conference. They lost out to the West Coast conference that did really nicely this year, getting six, and maybe a couple other national teams. But I think overall – they got pretty much the best 64 teams in. Yeah, Arizona, though, I mean, they played their way out. A loss to Washington State, a loss to Arizona State. I, I felt like they just they had the opportunity right there. All they had to do was pick up one of those two victories and really could have made a case Correct. for eight teams out of the Pac-12, or at least them instead of Arizona State. It would have been a, a toss-up, but instead they lost those two matches. I think made the committee's job pretty easy. Hey, Mike, yeah. do, you, do you have a breakdown on, on, on conferences? I know it's six from the WCC. It's six seven from, from the seven, Pac-12 and Pac-12. seven from the Big Ten. Gotcha. And the Pac-12 had five. Five seeds. The Big Twelve had Big Ten, and Big Twelve had three seeds. Gotcha. I mean, Iowa State's win over Texas got them seeded up at fifteen. They're another team that right in the bubble with their RPI being around twenty. All right, gentlemen, we will have you back for College Volleyball Weekly at eleven fifteen. Thanks very much. Thanks. We'll talk. Thank with you. you. We'll talk there to you guys. in an hour. All right, Brandon and Mike. We'll go through all the matchups, first round matchups, second round matchups, and predictions coming up in just about an hour. Thank you, gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break here. On this other side, we're going to have Jason Watson of Arizona State. We talked about Arizona playing their way out. These guys played their way in. Victories over Washington, victories over a victory over Arizona. Big time volleyball and a great progression for Jason Watson down there at ASU. Looking forward to talking to him. The Net Live on a Monday. 
the best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions. Welcome back into the Net Live. We appreciate you sticking in there and listening to the program. Hopefully you can listen to on iTunes for free. Just search the Net Live. It's the Blog Talk Radio feed. That is on there under podcasts. And uh, those on the chat board, I hope that the echo isn't killing you. We are working on the audio issues. And as a matter of fact, if we don't get them solved, Jeremy has just informed us he will be quitting the program. We yeah. don't want that. Makes me look bad. So we will, uh, Do it. we will upgrade the Internet service here and try and make sure that things improve. It seems like everybody could hear us. That last time. Do we have uh, Watson in the queue? No, we are waiting on Jason Watson. We will be talking to him. I thought that was uh, that was interesting stuff for the tournament. That I mean, the rough math and giving them a pretty gracious estimate of six hundred dollars a ticket only results in ninety k. And ninety k may be a lot to an individual. Ninety thousand dollars is not much. That's you know half of someone's travel budget over there at the NCAA. It's not a ton of money to dedicate to the sport. It's providing a whole lot of uh, entertainment and visibility for the organization. I feel like you made an interesting point of women's volleyball is a bigger sport than women's basketball, and they travel a lot more. It's a better sport, I think, for sure, to showcase the talents of the athletes. And yeah, I agree. We, we don't need to go I, 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 I've, I've actually felt that the last couple of years. I, I actually think women's basketball, for me, has improved the last couple of years as well. Uh, but... Um, but I think women's volleyball, I just think it's it's uh, it's so well done. And I think the Final Fours these last few years, it's really shown that it's the number one women's sport. It's, it's well played. I mean, I've seen a ton of it this year. It is well played. And even for women's basketball, even the WNBA level, it stinks most of the time. I've watched a couple of games. You know, I tune in for 10 minutes or something, flipping around the channels. It's not good. It's just the teams aren't good. Yeah. The athletes aren't good. It's it, look so I a mediocre college brand of basketball. I mean, I, a mediocre they're, they're college really sound. They're great passers, good shooters. I mean, I had to watch a little bit because we, our our network picked up some games, and I I, I actually have to respectfully di- disagree. Okay, I don't want to demean the entire sport of women's basketball, but I, I just think volleyball is superior when it comes to showcasing the athletic talent Agreed. of women. Women's basketball is just not fun to watch, and they would admit that too. And that's not a sexist thing by me. I grew up playing soccer my whole life. I cannot stand to watch soccer on TV. And I know the sport and I love it. And volleyball is a tough watch sometimes. I mean, let's be honest. It is a tough watch more often than some other sports. Galaxy are in the finals. I know. Shocked I know that, huh? You're impressive. Against Houston. LA. I have to host Galaxy Revealed his last two months. Beckham's last game. Yes, it is. Maybe Landon Donovan's. Yeah. Soccer's done after that. Boy, we digress. I brought if we're up. talking about soccer, what, what's happened to our program, and where where have we no. gone? At least it's a real sport. They're not riding motorbikes and tricycles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you brought it up, not me, so that doesn't really count. I know, not yet. Uh, so, yeah, those are awaiting the uh, the payout. That was not it. Uh, you know, I do have one other thing, and I've said this before about volleyball commentators without naming names. There's not enough critical analysis going on. There's and, a reason, though, for that. And but, now I can now I'm not a volleyball broadcaster anymore when I do happen to catch it because they don't a lot of the people involved in the broadcasts don't know the sport like they should or don't have the ability to 
break things down. They don't have the camera angles. They don't have the people in the truck that can give you what's called a libero vision, like a spotlight and go, hey, this person's attacking here because look at their approach. They're coming inside out. They don't, we, we don't break the game down like that. And that's the problem. The people at home that love volleyball would absolutely freak out on that stuff. I'm telling you, that's why I love working for the Longhorn Network. And you can vouch for this. Last year, that they let me do a serving chart. They would spot oh, yeah, shadow. They would on spot yeah. shadow lady showing the routes, like because they, they they'd run the double quick. They have stuff that's just your idea, which is they, great. yeah. They, the they serving just wanted, yeah, areas. They did it. Yeah. And Longhorn Network people, they all came from ESPN. They just did it. They go, dude, let's do it because they had nothing else going on. They're like, let's do it. absolutely. We're doing yeah. every game. Let's do it. So we had a lot of fun. No one was watching it. Because Longhorn, no, seriously, the Longhorn Network wasn't it's not really anywhere, widely yeah. distributed last year, but we got to break stuff down. It was awesome. Well, I, but this is and they don't the care if it's two males. This they don't the care analysts. if it's two females. They don't care what the broadcast team is as long as it's good. ESPN yeah. cares too much. Pac-12 Network cares too much about oh, we got to be this, we got to be that. We don't have much time in the game to break it down. Let us break down the game. Why are we doing this? Why is that double quick working? Why is she an effective blocker? How does she shut down the slide as a left side blocker? Why are they killing you at the pin? There's so many things you, that, that volleyball people would love, but here's the problem. The people in the truck and the people making decisions will say, you're losing all of your audience. You're going to have to dumb it down. People don't know what you guys are talking about. I always disagree. I say, do we all know what John Gruden's talking about on Monday night? Yeah, you wish you did. You don't. Sometimes you do. But John Gruden's football knowledge goes beyond 95, 98% of ours. So we love it, though, and we learn from him. So why can't we do the same thing in volleyball? And I why would... can't we educate the people? Even people watching the sport haven't played it at a lot of our levels, haven't coached it at a high level, but love the sport. They would learn from it. I promise you. And I would they say would learn from it. 80% of the people that are watching volleyball on TV yeah. know the sport. You're not getting a lot of random people just turning it on just because it's volleyball. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've been I, around volleyball my whole life, but I love when I happen to watch an Olympic broadcast and Sonny and Barney are doing something, and you learn something from them. You're like, ah, that's, I like the way they said that. You know? Yeah, As, as a broadcast, so I like that. I like that as a coach. We could all learn from it, breaking it down and, and, and putting more money into it, but I'm telling you, the producers and the directors outside the Longhorn Network, they've never wanted to do that because they think it's... It's going to go over the head. It's, it's, it's not what we've got to do. we just got to save the game. And that's why they have people broadcasting a sport that have never played. I think it's a good long discussion that we need to have. I, I, my point was on the people who are volleyball experts, there are quite a few out there who have played at a high level, who do TV, who do it regularly, mm -hmm. who are not critical analysis or analysts Agree. Agree. of the players, of the coaches, of the situations. They are cheerleaders. And until that stops, the sport's not going forward the way it ought to on a media level. Stop cheerleading. You don't have to be – everybody accuses me of being too negative. You don't have to be me. But let's at least be critical and give praise where it's due and not just skip saying that was wrong. Or if you're asked a direct question to educate the public about something like how do you defeat this particular team – Tell us how you defeat that particular team. Give us some insight. How do you defeat Stanford? Take away the middle. Yeah, or, or you say, you know what? Tough. When Stanford lost things. this match, here's why. Thank you. Boom. Do that instead of saying, oh, well, they're great. I don't know. They're just really great. Let's bring on someone who is Bottom really line, great. I guess you and I should do every broadcast from here on out. I don't think they can pay us that kind of money, but let's all, all quit <laughs> exactly. every sport. Exactly, but I want to make the point that that is not the point of what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't want to do huh? the job. Everywhere. I have plenty of stuff going on, but I don't want to do the job everywhere. There needs to be some critical analysis of the people who are supposed to be analysts of the I, game. I agree. Let's learn something from our next guest. This guy, he played at BYU. He coached at BYU. He had 
success. Yeah, he didn't have a lot of success against Northridge. Just throwing that out. <laughs> he was okay. You he can talk okay. to him about that. I couldn't figure out his accent at first. I thought he was from the East Coast. I couldn't decide. No, no, no. It turns out he's from the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. But this guy's gone to Arizona State University and brought Turned them back. It around. He has a dangerous athletic team, and they have proven how good they can be. 3-0 defeat of USC in early November, a 3-1 defeat of Washington just a week ago. And Barney, he's got a pitchfork in his little man purse. And he throws it out. He's Welcome people with it. to the Net Live, Jason Watson, head coach of Arizona State. Coach. Yeah. Uh, nice to hear uh, Gita get passionate about some stuff. <laughs> you know what? I was basically sleeping on the sideline, and then I got Barney sparked me. He knows how to spark my fire, and I just want the best for our sport, Jay. You know that. Yeah, for sure. And and I yeah, you guys are doing it. It's great. Well, hey, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk about your team because some teams, you know, they, they just fade into tournament time. They don't make it or they just turn on the, the reverse and they beep on in. You have accelerated right through the barrier, a couple of great victories, and you must be feeling fantastic about your team entering the tournament. Yeah, we feel, yeah, we feel great about what we're doing. Uh, you know, for us, the margin to get in a slim. So uh, playing well, what we did was great. What you in the middle of the season? I saw you at Utah, and you said, "I just can't figure this team out. I don't know what is wrong with these kids." And you played terribly at Utah, or your kids played terribly. If you played, you might have played better. But your kids did not have a good match at Utah. And then I saw you a couple weeks later, and it was all different. What changed, and how did you and your staff get it to change? Yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, if we were. That's at a time we were horrible, and uh, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, you know, uh, we just kept working hard, and I know that's cliche for sure, it's cliche, but you know, the thing with this conference is if you get down, you know, you're gonna get it handed to you, and so you just got to keep working, and so that's all we saw it. And then we got a period of time where we got to be home for a while, and that certainly helped, but at the end of the day, who knows what happens. You know, Jay, uh, what Kevin's talking about, too, I was looking at your schedule. There's a three-week period there at the end of September to the middle of October where you lost seven of eight. And I, I think what people miss in sports a lot, especially at the professional level, is allowing that process to take place because there are so many teams that at the end of the year they have such a great story, and a lot of that story revolves around how you got through some tough times. Was there – some kids or some leadership or something you can point to during those rough times that got you guys through it? Because ultimately, here you are making the tournament for the first time since 2006. That's a great story, regardless of what happens this weekend. But I'm glad that you guys were able to get through that rough time. Can you talk about how you got through that? Yeah, you know, we spent some time. You know, one of our things is we want to be this great team. We want to out-team uh, people. You know, it, we don't have this impressive resume of recruits. So we don't have this pedigree uh, of athletic achievement but prior to coming to Arizona State. And, and so, but one of the things is it doesn't take an enormous amount of talent to be a really good teammate. And um, and so we have to get back to that. Uh, you know, Stephanie Preach-Alibero is, is key in that sort of stuff. And so we, hey, come on, let's go control what we control and let's go be – really good teammates from here on out. 
you know, it's amazing you mentioned the the the, the, the libero and, it, and when you see a great one, defensive player of the week this week in the Pac-12. And you know, when you see a great one, you really understand what that position can do for a team. You know, watching like a Natalie Haglin uh, at at USC or watching yours, it's such a a crucial and vital uh, piece of the puzzle. And, and I think it, it it gets overlooked. So I'm glad she's getting a lot of run. Yeah, she's been everything for us. Uh, you know, she's emotional. Uh, I think kids like playing with her. For sure they like playing with her. I like coaching her. And, uh, you know, she wasn't a libero before she got here. She was a setter. And uh, we took a lot of heat uh, recruiting her to be a libero. And, uh, you know, I'm, there's another good story, you know. Uh, and it's turned out that she's, I think, much better libero than she ever would have been a setter in this conference. It was fun watching her and Haglin go head-to-head yeah. in, at USC earlier this year. They were both over 30 digs, quite the performance. Coach, what about the play of Erica Wilson, speaking of changing positions, the converted middle blocker? Uh, has she really rounded into that position outside? We know, knew she had the athletic talent to compete at the net. Yeah. You know, we're taking setters and making them liberos and middles and making them outside. You know, I, who knows what? You know, we may not know anything out here at Arizona State, but – she, uh, you know, I think she's much, much better now than, than what she was. And, you know, we talked to her about managing her game, and I think that's that's where she needs to continue to make some strides, you know, those out-of-system plays, those sets that are just a little awkward where they're not in your hitting window. And, and those are things where she's managed to get better and better and better at. But, but certainly, you know, she gives us, opposite Macy Gardner, uh, a legitimate point-scoring threat and um, – that's something we haven't always had. Jay, Jay, I got two things for you quickly. Uh, what was the feeling like yesterday when 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 they called your name, and, and and what was the reaction of the girls? Yeah, for, personally for me, it was a little surreal. You know, we've uh, we've worked pretty hard to get to this point, and now that we've got it, you know, it's uh, it's a wonderful feeling of accomplishment. And I mean, the team is just thrilled, um, and I think. I think we still got some good volleyball left in us to play, but I mean, these kids, I tell you, you know, like you said, we were, we had lost seven of eight and now we're in the tournament and, um, yeah, they've done everything and they've, uh, they've overachieved, I think, dramatically. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this never ends, you know, cause I'm loving coaching them. Well, you got a good matchup with Oklahoma. Everyone thinks that's going to be a great match. Here's the thing. You're going to BYU, where you were a great setter yourself. You played there. People that haven't played a lot at BYU, there are, there's altitude. Uh, it's a different environment. How can you help your team going to a place like BYU and playing uh, under those circumstances? You know, I, I think, you know, we've talked about that as a staff. You know, I think, you know, my volunteer assistant, Mike Wool, he played at BYU and uh, – you know, I think for the athletes, it probably isn't as significant as it is for the coaching staff. So, you know, we've got to keep our kind of emotions in control here a little bit. Uh, for them, you know, it's just, hey, here's another match and here's another chance to go be good. And, you know, we've got to go do it at BYU. And they're good. They're real good. You know, Oklahoma's good. BYU's good. New Mexico State's good. You know, but I think it's more can our staff kind of keep it together, you know. Um, that'll be That'll be interesting to see. Coach, how are you going to cope with being on the other side of the home cooking for BYU there with the ref? <laughs> he just hope he gets there. He yeah. loved that. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I think it's fair. You know, uh, I was the recipient of an enormous amount of that when I played there and I coached there. So, um, yeah, I'm 
we'll see what happens there. You know, maybe I got some pull still, but I doubt it. Um, maybe, maybe, but yeah, you know, BYU, it's its own enigma, isn't it? Hey, Jay, just remind all those refs what a legend you are on that campus, what you've done for them, how you always treated them with respect. They remember that, dude. You were a nice guy out there on the floor. They'll remember that. Yeah, I don't remember being quite as nice as you do, but um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that, you know. Yeah. That's, I'll take that. All right, how about your first-round opponent in Oklahoma? How do you feel your team matches up? Yeah, we've been watching Oklahoma last night and tonight, and, uh, you know, they're – Probably like everybody would play more physical than us. Uh, they've got a lefty on the right side that, uh, you know, uh, lefties have given us an enormous amount of trouble. As you know, we're not very good at blocking volleyballs. And, um, and so, yeah, there are going to be some challenges for us. Uh, they're physical on the left, they're physical on the right. And, uh, you know, we've got to get some good matchups because, you know, we've got this little bitty setter and, uh, I think she's good, but, uh, again, matchups become crucial for us, but um, I I like our chances, of course, because I think we're playing well right now. All right, before we let you go, we have to give you a chance to pub one of your your players, freshman Macy Garden, who's had a, a pretty amazing She's season. She's a good player. Is, is this the kind of player you expected in year one when you recruited her? Yeah, you know, we felt uh, the. We felt like the Pac-12 was going to go through this transition period in, in 2012 with all of these freshmen. And, you know, if you didn't get in on that 2012 class, then you're going to get left behind as, you know, all of these kids get better, the, the conference gets better. Um, who knew that all of these freshmen in this conference were going to be so good? And um, But, yeah, Macy is, is something special, and I think we certainly – Clearly, you know, kind of outkicked our coverage when we recruited her, uh, and uh, especially coming off a nine-win season last year. So she's just been phenomenal for us, and for a true freshman, carrying the big load. Uh, she's probably not going to get freshman of the year in our conference, but for us, what she's done and the turnaround that she's been a part of here in this program, uh, I hope some people would give us some consideration. Well, she was two-time Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. And, Coach, fantastic job. Congratulations on a season well done. And good luck in the tournament. And uh, we know you have to get out to a TV appearance. You're a man in demand now. Yeah, who's, yeah, we got to go talk to our football people. They may not even know we have volleyball. So <laughs> i got to get there early and kind of let them know some stuff. So <laughs> it's a busy day. Hey, man, have fun this weekend. Enjoy it. You, you guys deserve it. Hey, thanks, you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Head Coach Jason Watson of Arizona State. Appreciate you joining us here on the Net Live. Barney, yeah. I love those stories when people allow a team to go through tough times and there isn't a panic and people don't get fired and uh, you know people aren't jumping off the ship. It's it's rare, but it's, yeah. it's nice when, when, when that happens. It doesn't happen at there are certain places that they would just never allow it. But, but it, it makes for a great story. I mean, it's, little, it's like this show when the yeah. technical problems are happening Jeremy and people are still listening and Jeremy wants to jump off the ship, yeah. you know. Hey, it's just a little fire. Not the whole thing's burning. And the next thing you know, we're holding up an award. Yeah, a Dundee. A Dundee. No, I, I think he's done a, a really nice job. And to figure out what's wrong, he, one thing I love about Coach Watson is that he will just put it out there for you. Yeah. You ask him a question, he'll answer it. And I mean, just like you said, I asked him when they were at that Utah match before it even happened, you know, hey, how are you guys doing? He says, 
we are a mess. I have no idea. Yeah. And and I know his assistant coaches, Mike Wall, a little time on the national team, and uh, Linda Hampton, Keith, I uh, spent a little time with her at convention doing some fun stuff. And, you know, talking to them, they just, they were, they were in the middle of it. They were in the middle of that seven of eight and just could not figure it out. And to your point, sometimes you just have to persevere and just have to stay there and try and try and try. And you sometimes you turn it around, sometimes you don't. These guys did. And a couple of great wins, and I, I think made the committee's decision an easy one. Yeah. ASU? Yep. I mean, as soon as that name came up, it wasn't, ah, it was, look at that, Washington, and they defeated Arizona to end the season. And they beat SC yep. down the stretch. And too. they beat SC early in the year. They're in. It wasn't even a question. Beat Cal down the stretch, too, yeah. got in. Wasn't even a question for them. So they are in, and we wish them the best of luck. And, and Coach Watson, hopefully a, a, a really long run, and it should be interesting he takes his team back to BYU. Now, BYU is a team that I'm looking at that could get could get to the Elite Eight. They could. I mean, New Mexico State's no slouch, 22-10. Yeah, you remember, Pep, Pep got to the Elite Eight last year out of that. Right, and nearly SC beat SC. Five. And, and, Ooh, yeah, we were up 2-1. But you look at this BYU at home against New Mexico State, who's a good team. Then they play Oklahoma, Arizona State. Then they're going to play either Oregon, Dayton, or Pepperdine. You know, winnable game as well. Uh, BYU is a team that can, that, that can make a deep run. They're definitely a team that I'd look at. All right, we're going to keep looking around this bracket. We're going to keep bringing you the best show we know how. We still have Tom Black of Loyola Marymount coming up. We have College Volleyball Weekly going to be uh, just after 11 o'clock. There we will get the predictions from Mike and uh, Brandon, our experts, as to who they think is going to make a deep run. I mean, obviously Penn State. They very like to show up. I think if you're if you're Jen or, or, or Hilly, you just at San Diego, you just, just roll the balls out from here on out. You're always going to go to SC or UCLA. You're never going to host, and you're never going anywhere. I mean, Hilly called this back in August when I saw him. He said it doesn't matter what kind of year we're going to have. We're going to UCLA or SC every year. I'm looking for their name here on the They're bracket. They're down because um, I see SC. Look at look at UCLA's I region. I see San Diego State. San Diego taking on Michigan State. Then they got to play UCLA. Twenty-one. And oh, there's on the UCLA. Year. Yeah, Michigan State. Then oh, it's brutal. Although, hey, UCLA is vulnerable. Yes, they are. UCLA just lost to Oregon. I saw Mike Seeley in the airport. Uh, I, I said, hey, Mike, this is right before Thanksgiving. I said, hey, Mike, you know, what happened last night? Man, we're terrible. We just had to go home and figure out how to be better. We were Here's awful. Here's the thing. Mike said the same thing last year. They got rolled up three straight by SC the final weekend of the season, and they looked awful. They didn't know if they were going to go 6-2 with Manoa and Van Orden. They didn't know what they were going to do. But they got hot, and they rolled. The reason why UCLA is so scary is because those two left sides could get it going at any time. Tabby Love at 6'6", six, six, Kidder at 6'4". They're two of the best left sides. If they get rolling, it's a left-side-dominated tournament. you got two big pins that can put balls away. You have a chance to win every single night. That's why no one wants to play them either. But, yeah, I agree with you that, that, that they're vulnerable. There's no question about it. We're going to take a break, and you're going to fill in your bracket. And if you put one, two, three, four seeds in the final four, I'm taking your bracket and throwing it out of the loft. Have some courage filling out your bracket. I don't want to see one, two, three, four. You talking about me? Yeah. Dude, I win it every year. I don't even know why you'd be looking at me. This is the only year you have a chance to get me because I know nothing about volleyball this year. I haven't done a volleyball okay. match in a year. We're going to review no it when beach, we come back. No indoor. And if you think think I'm not lying on that, this is your shot. Can you tell, can you you tell right me now. about how bad the Lakers bench is and how, how much they're struggling because they have no uh, Scored 42 against Dallas. Antoine Jameson, 19 off the bench. The bench has been good the last two games. Antoine Jameson is 47 years old. Uh, he's not 47, but yeah, he's 
It's got over 19,000 points, too. Show a little respect. Clippers. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to the sport's biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag.
back on. Show's back on. Show's back on. Dude, okay, look, look. We can have a TMZ portion of this program. We should have volleyball TMZ. It's not how I roll. John, all right. John Bra is a fabulous man. He is a fabulous guy. And anyone associated with John Spra is a good human, in my opinion. I met him for the first well, time. Well, I missed a couple of weeks. What happened with the national championship? Did it get stripped? Where? Of UCI last year? Oh, there were some rumors about that, but I, I never read anything past Volley what? Talk. Yeah, they might get their... Uh... I don't care. I'm choosing uh... John Spraw over the NCAA. Welcome back to the Net Live. We just talked to Jason Watson of ASU. We still have Tom Black of LMU, Loyola Marymount University, coming up. Another team that's in for the first time since 2006. And uh, Tom Black is recapturing... I think what LMU should be and was years ago. Yeah, they were, you know, they're a great location. Great location. I Westchester, just north of the airport. I think it comes down to finances as well and, and facilities. It's just something that they haven't been able to make attractive for, 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 for athletes. But Tom's come in there, and I think he's been able to get some things done. And, you know, I remember doing a basketball game there last year and driving on that campus, and it was a beautiful day. And I was like, this campus is awesome. It is. It really is a great campus. You're 10 minutes and from it Manhattan It's very Beach. attractive to people if, you know. You're five minutes from the yeah, beach. Absolutely. From Play Del Rey. It's a fantastic place. You can get to Hollywood in 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, the bridge is right there, one of the premier cinemas around here, 3D IMAX. Come on. What's not to like if you're a college student? Geeter, we're going to go through uh, this top of the bracket here, the West Lafayette Indiana side of the bracket, because I see you filled that part out. So uh, let's get right to it here. Penn State versus Binghamton. Yeah, Penn State. Uh, Yale versus Bowling Green. Who you got? Don't know anything about that game at all. I haven't done any research on it. Off the top of my head, Bowling Green. But I'm thinking about going Yale just because I know some kids out there in the uh, Ivy League. I'm picking the smart kids. I'm going with Yale. I haven't picked yet. Ohio State versus Notre Dame. I think that's a good first-round matchup. I'm actually going with Ohio State. I'm going to take Notre Dame just Mm -hmm. on the strength of their football team. East Tennessee State versus Kentucky. Kentucky. I'm going with the Wildcats. All right. Florida State versus Hofstra. Florida State. Florida State. I think there you have a nice program. Chris Poole continuing to do a great job. Colorado State versus Purdue. I think Purdue's kind of a, a dark horse here. I'm taking Purdue. Uh, I'm taking Colorado State. They're really, really good at home, even though they're not playing at home, right? Aren't they playing at Florida State? Um, But they're a very, very good volleyball team. That is a tough first-round matchup because Purdue can ball as well. But I'm going to go with Colorado State in a close one in five. Okay, I'm taking Purdue. Creighton and Marquette. I'm going with Creighton. I know nothing about this matchup, by the way. Liberty and Minnesota. Hey, you know what? Some loyalties die hard. I'm taking Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota all the way. All right, second round. Penn State versus Yale. Penn State. Yeah, thank you. Notre Dame and Kentucky is what I have. I'm taking I haven't I haven't filled it in yet here. Because the football team. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Kentucky. I think it I think it ends for Notre Dame right there. I'm taking Kentucky to face Penn State in the next round. What do you have in that next mat- round matchup? I have Florida State taking on Colorado State and I have Florida State winning. Okay. I have Florida State taking on Purdue, and I have Purdue winning, as a matter of fact. Uh, Creighton, I had Creighton versus Minnesota. I had Minnesota winning. Yeah, I have Minnesota Marquette, and I have Minnesota winning. Okay, so we have Minnesota coming out. So Penn State and Kentucky in the Sweet 16. I'm taking Penn State to Me beat too. Kentucky. Me too. I have Purdue and Minnesota. You have 
Florida Mark. State and Minnesota. At Florida State and Minnesota. I'm picking Minnesota. You know, I got to go with Minnesota as well. I, I, it's tough to pick against. Uh, tough to pick against you right there. I got to go with Minnesota. All right, so Elite Eight matchup. We have Minnesota and Penn State. You and I have the same matchup, although we got there differently. It's kind of like this show. We've arrived here different paths, but we are still here in the home court. Minnesota and Penn State. Moment of truth. I love Russ Rose. I love what he does there. Uh, Penn State, obviously the best program in the country over the past decade. Uh, what, he won four titles in a row. I'm picking Penn State to win because I think they're the better team. I don't think Minnesota's there yet, but I'm going to be rooting for you. Uh, I think that'd be a great story if you can get that 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 Gophers team to the Final Four. But I'm picking Penn State. I'm going to agree with everything you said about Russ Rose and that program. Simply amazing mm -hmm. what he has done. The guru of all. I love him at conventions, sitting outside, smoking a cigar, holding court with like 15 yeah. people. I think he's going to find himself doing that again because he won't be coaching his team. I think Minnesota is going to beat Penn State, and Minnesota is going to go to the Final Four. The magic continues for the man with the Midas touch, Hugh McCutcheon. I I would love to see that bracket tougher. I I, I don't know. I'd love to see yeah. a Pac-12 team in there. That Somebody. bracket just doesn't do it for me. There's seven Pac-12 teams. The only one that doesn't get me excited. I, I'm just being honest. You have seven Pac-12 teams, not a single one in that. Yeah, I mean that, whole that to me. How did that happen? You know, I, I know I've been not possible. I know I've been telling the NCAA great job, and and, and, and Mostly, for the most yes. part, this is the best job that they've done in a long time. But that bracket's come on, mix it up a little bit. Well, I, I just don't see how you have seven teams in from one conference, and they don't make an appearance in there. I, mean, I understand you want to avoid most of the Big Ten teams, although you end up with Minnesota in there. I understand. But so you have one. Yeah. You know, it, it, you got to have one. <clears throat> it makes no sense. But what do you got to do? Well, I mean, you pile Cal. Well, you can, or you can Cal, go to Stanford, Bray, or you can UCLA. go to fake bracket. Cal, Stanford, and UCLA all in the same bracket. All, all for one Final Four position. Four te three teams from the same conference right there, piled into one. I don't think that's right. Yeah, too many Big Ten teams in that bracket, too. I think you've got to send one of the Pac-12 teams from that bracket, from the Berkeley bracket, out to face off in the Penn State bracket. You've got to have one Pac-12 team in there. <clears throat> I agree. Okay. Let's look at the bottom of this bracket. I know you don't have to fill it in, so you've got to fill it in right now as we go. Oregon, Northern Colorado. Oregon. Oregon. Dayton, Pepperdine. Uh-oh. I'm going with the Waves. You know that. You are. You're picking the Waves? Absolutely. A little Timmy Jim? <clears throat> I mean, Dayton's a good ball club. Don't get me wrong. Dayton beat them earlier, and they're in Dayton. But I'm going with Pepperdine. <clears throat> don't Pepperdine tell got a little life by getting in, and I think they win that game. Don't tell <clears throat> Nina because she'll put me in a headlock and make me scream uncle. Yeah. I picked Dayton <clears throat> against my allegiances. Yes. It's not right. ASU, Oklahoma. I'm going with Jason Watson and the Sun Devils. I as well. I'm taking ASU. I think that they're hot. I think they're going to do it. BYU, Michigan State setting up the BYU-ASU matchup. I have BYU. BYU. All right, Washington and Central Arkansas. Washington. Yeah, I got Washington as well. Santa Clara led by Tom Cruise and facing off with Hawaii. I think Matt Lyles and, and, and Tom Cruise, you say John Wallace, are going to come up with a good game plan. I think they're going to be right in that ball game, but I think Hawaii at the end just too good. Jane Croson takes over in the fifth. Hawaii wins. Jane Croson violates no team rules on the way to the tournament. So. Easy, bud. Easy, bud. Maybe she stays in and Easy, Hawaii bud. has some success. Easy, bud. Those that don't really know, go back and look up John Wallace's photo, put it next to Tom Cruise's, and enjoy that one. Uh, the rumor was always that he doubled 
Tom Cruise in the volleyball scenes. Not possible. Not possible, because if you go watch that scene, it's one of the most amazingly awful yeah. volleyball scenes. Jeremy and I used to watch it every jeans. weekend on the AVP. I mean, first of all, they're playing in tight jeans. Okay, I've seen that and happen. And the, the ball beach, control the is just redonkulous. I don't right. know who John Wallace would not have was netted the stage like that. manager that provided the background info for that volleyball scene, but it was guys were lifting, guys had their elbows in by their by their sides. I mean, it was just awful. This is the days before sports continuity consultants. Oh. And then you watch, what was that terrible movie Tom Cruise did about the, the aliens that came and the spaceships? It's supposed to be so great. It was a couple years ago. War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. I have an odd fascination with this film, by the There's a scene where he's throwing a baseball with his son. Well, I just want to watch it. And it is the most god-awful athleticism yeah, you can't in throw. the history. I mean, just to get a stunt double. There's no way someone on the set goes, that's perfect cut. Get a stunt Put arm. that in the can. That's the one. Who Who's not going, dude, we cannot air this. They couldn't find Craig Biggio. He threw it like, in no offense, I have a three-year-old girl. He threw it like a three-year-old girl. He's producing the movie, so who's going to tell him? Somebody has to. Like, hey, Craig Biggio is the same size. Bring his ass in here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have an odd fascination with that film. I, I've seen it, parts of it on TNT when I've been on road trips, and I've been like, dang it, I have to go or HBO. Like, I want to watch the whole thing again. I'm just intrigued by these post-apocalyptic scenarios like Falling Skies, current TNT series, The, uh, the Living Dead, watching that on AMC. Walking Dead. I'm sorry, The Walking Dead. Uh, that's another great one. I, there's some other series, too, I've been watching that's post-apocalyptic. Are you prepared I when, I swear to God, are you prepared I when with, zombies take I, over? I, I, am not, I am not a prepper. I do not have a, a, a area built somewhere in the mountains, no. I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I honest to God, think Monroe's Clark set at the end of... Of Side Out was better than what Tom Cruise, Ice, Slider, anything Cruise were doing on that court. I swear to God, I, I, I mean, I think it was it was better, and and, and that one made me throw up. That that what? last set lift was unbelievable. What's the quote you remember from that scene in Top Gun? That's right, Ice. Never, never leave your wingman. Oh, that one? No, not not the whole movie. I'm talking about the, the volleyball scene. How does the volleyball scene end? Oh, he does the little... Mother Goose, you! Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I always think of when I think of that scene. That's right. You can't say that word, Tom? Oh, we can Block say whatever it. we want. Okay. I don't know. Everyone knows that. We don't have to do it, yeah. right? All right, moving on. Kansas State versus UNI. As far as I know, Uni is a uh, air filter manufacturer, it's, not it's, a school. It's K-State. K-State. K-State's a good ball club. I take K-State as well. Leads us to Nebraska versus UMES. Hmm. Who's UMES? Uh, don't know, don't care. <laughs> Just jump ahead to K-State, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, top of the bracket, Oregon <clears throat> taking on Dayton. You have Oregon taking on Pepperdine. I got Oregon winning. I have Oregon being Dayton. You have Oregon beating Pepperdine. Excellent. ASU in the battle for the allegiance of the referees in Provo. I go with BYU in Provo. BYU wins. I think I have to take BYU as well, and not based on the refs. But I got you know uh, Al Skates actually was sanctioned and fined for complaining about the referees wow. in BYU. They are awful, by the way. Yep, absolutely awful. Total homers, biggest homers in the nation. And anyone who denies it, you're lying to yourself. Washington versus Hawaii. Man, that's the, the toughest. God, that's tough to pick. Well, yeah, because they're on the road for a few days, so Croson's got an opportunity to misbehave. So. Uh, she may or may not be in that match. She'll play in that match, and she'll play great. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Washington for one reason, because 
The volley gods want to see Washington versus Nebraska. They want Cook and McLaughlin to go at it one more time. So that's why we're going to have that matchup. We could have, and I agree, that Nebraska will advance beyond K-State and Washington will beat Hawaii. So we could have a repeat incident between these two coaches. You think? I think they'll play nice. I don't think we'll have no, a No, yeah, there's not going to be any problems. That was, what, two years ago? I thought it was last year, but you might be right. So last, I think it was two years no, ago. No, two now. years ago. Two years ago, because last year Nebraska lost to K-State. Because I remember I brought it up at one of the luncheons. I asked the uh, the middle from Nebraska if the ball was in or if out. If the ball was in or out. That was my last question to her. And uh, and she she turned around. She was awesome. She turned around. She goes, that ball was in. <laughs> <laughs> or whichever was her benefit was fantastic. All right, uh, it lines up Oregon against BYU. I'm going BYU in the upset. Really? Yep. Okay, I'm taking Oregon. I, I think this is Oregon's year. I think they have it. Bergsma, Brenner, Fisher. Fisher, Offensive Player of the Week this week in the Pac-12 play. I think they've got it done. All right, there it is. The teams have to play it, although we'd love to see the coaches just in a, a tough man competition, Washington and Nebraska. Uh, first of all, I'll explain my Nebraska over K-State pick since they were asking about it on the chat room that I just looked up and saw. I, I, I understand K-State beat them last year. I understand, I understand K-State was in their dome. I understand it was in Nebraska. Uh, I just don't see it happening this year. I think Nebraska is going to learn from that. I think they're going to win at home. But I do think they get up, they get by Washington as well. I really do. So you have Nebraska <laughs> yeah, beating Nebraska. Washington. You know, I had it that way. I just scribbled it out. I have Washington now. I think Van Sant's pretty tough. I think they have a nice nice uh, defensive group there in Washington. I think that they're going to do it. So that's, that's I'm up doing up. it to go different from you. How's that? Fine. Oregon, Nebraska for you. Tell me. No, B, I'm sorry. You have BYU, Nebraska. I got BYU. Look at you. BYU, Nebraska. Tell me. I'll go Nebraska. Nebraska. All right. So you have Nebraska and Penn State representing the I Big got Penn 10. State winning that game. Whoa, we're going to pick it already. Look yep. at that. You have Penn State. All right, so I've got Oregon versus Minnesota. I think Oregon Nice. Oregon gets the championship match. It's their year. Wow. I think it, I think they're going to do it. I'm excited for Jim Moore and Stacey Metro. Okay, uh, so, yeah, I had Oregon beating Washington and Oregon advancing to play Minnesota and Oregon beating Minnesota. Oregon appears in the national championship. All right. You, on the other side, UCLA taking on LIU Brooklyn. UCLA. San Diego, Michigan State. San Diego. San Diego. Tennessee, Michigan. Michigan. I also have Michigan. Louisville, Louisville against Belmont. Louisville. I also have Louisville. Iowa State, IPFW. Iowa State. Jeremy would like to chime in right now. All I know is my household will root for IPFW. Okay, Jeremy's picking IPFW. I'm taking Iowa State. Cal and North Carolina. Cal. I have North Carolina in an upset. I think Cal's North Carolina beat them last year at Pepperdine in the first round. Yeah, I think North Carolina does it again. They have Cal's number. I think the the road ends for Cal, unfortunately. Uh, Western Kentucky against Loyola Marymount. Western Kentucky. Uh, LMU. You're picking Tom Black, who will mm-hmm. be on this show in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Western Kentucky written down on, okay. on what information I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Stanford and Jackson State. Cardinal. Cardinal. All right. Sets up second round. UCLA-San Diego. We have the same <clears throat> matchup, I believe. It's going to be a close game. I think UCLA with those lefts too good. 
I agree. I don't think anyone can cope with those lefts in that match on the San Diego side. Michigan and Louisville. You have Tennessee, Louisville? No, I've, I, 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 have, I have Louisville winning that game against Michigan. I as well. Okay. Iowa State taking on, in my case, North Carolina. Your case, Cal. I'm going to go Iowa State. Iowa State. All right. I'm going to take Iowa State out of there as well. Again, based on what information, I don't know. Uh, so that sets up. We both have Stanford, I imagine, beating Western Kentucky. Yep. Or uh, LMU. Yep. All right. UCLA against Louisville. Louisville with the opportunity this year to represent themselves in their home court in the Final Four. Can they do it? Hmm. I'm going with the Bruins. I am also going with the Bruins. Uh, don't tell Ann Cordes because she won't talk to me. And that would be upsetting for me. Iowa State against Stanford. Stanford. I'm picking Stanford as well. I think Stanford is one of the most complete teams. Who are you taking in the uh, Stanford-UCLA match? I'll give you the first to go. This is a tough one. It's left sides versus whole team. It's freshmen versus a bit more experience. I'm going to take Stanford. Damn it. <laughs> I'll take UCLA. Okay. Just to be different. Yep. I well, think, I think Stanford knocks off the Bruins. Yeah, I, I, I think Stanford's second best team going but i think ucla has the opportunity we'll have a shot to win that match just because they're laughs and been there before kind of thing you never know what the freshmen are going to do but that freshman class is, is damn good and they're guaranteed they're going to win a national championship in their next few years no doubt but I'm, I'll, I'll go against them since you're going with them I'll, I'll take ucla okay so so far i have minnesota oregon and stanford in the final four okay top of the bracket next i hardly even have to ask this question of you texas and colgate I'm just looking forward to the second round game. I think it's going to be unbelievable. I'm taking Texas in that one. Okay. Who are you taking in the other match? I'm going to take A&M. Uh, although North Carolina State's a good, uh, a good team, I'm taking A&M because I think that A&M-Texas match is going to be phenomenal. I'm also taking A&M. Miami of Florida and uh, Cock. I got uh, I got Florida winning. I got Miami winning that one. I got Florida winning the next one. So I got the Miami versus Florida. I'll take Cock. Just to throw that out there. Yep, sure. Just so you know that. What you just said will be clipped. That's College of Charleston, for those wondering. All right, Tulsa versus Florida. Uh, I got Florida. I already told you that. I'm picking Florida, too, even though the Murph isn't there anymore. Uh, Kansas and Kansas. Cleveland State. Kansas. Kansas. They are tough. Wichita State, Arkansas. Ooh, both coaches old school, know them both well. I'm going to go with Robbie P at Arkansas. I think he's really done a good job turning the program uh, around. I think they're going to take down the Shockers. All right. I am also taking Arkansas. St. Mary's versus San Diego you know, State. I'm, I'm going taking, with St. Mary's. I, I'm taking St. Mary's. I'm taking Rob Browning yep. in, a, in a victory there in the first round. Fairfield, USC. SC. I'm sorry, Fairfield. You just you can't cut it, man. All right, that sets up second round Texas versus Texas A&M. I got to go with Texas, but I think it's going to be a war. Yeah, I think Texas with those left sides of yeah. Eckerman and uh, Webster are yep. are really really tough. Plus they have Sullivan on the bench. All right, uh, Florida, Florida over Miami. Yeah, look at that—a battle for Texas, a battle for Florida. That's what you set up right yep. there. I have Florida over College of Charles. Kansas Arkansas game is intriguing to me. Kansas, Arkansas. Kansas favorite. I'm going to go with Arkansas just to mix up the bracket a little bit and get away from the favorites. I'll stay with Kansas so we disagree. Okay. And St. Mary's and USC. Uh, you know, Rob Browning, I love you, but 
USC's going to. Well, by the way, that's going to be an interesting contrast of styles. St. Mary's runs everything so quick. There's uh, they got the, the ultimate the USA system. And SC, just the slow, the size, the high balls. High balls, Fabricio. Uh, They've been yeah. going to the middle more lately. Yes, They've they been have. using Hagland, or not Hagland, uh, Ogard a lot. Oh, well, because Ogard is dominant. I, it's, you know, <clears throat> I personally think SC has a chance to win the national championship, so I can't knock them out in the second round. I just think St. Mary's is going to give them all they can handle. But USC wins that game. USC beats Arkansas. It sets up USC, Texas, in the Elite Eight. We've seen it before. Mick taking on Jarrett. Uh, Jarrett used to be the coach at SC. Mick used to be the coach at Texas. Mick replaced Jarrett at, at USC. USC. So, well, no, he, he got the job before Jarrett. Did. Well, right, Jarrett but was Jarrett was the interim. Yeah. Took him to the Final Four, too. Yeah. USC, Texas. Oh, man. Ooh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I'm going to be honest with you. I already wrote it in. I'm going to be honest with you. You want, you want the mine? The winner of this, for me, yeah. is going to win the national championship. Okay. And Look at there it is. I ride with Texas. <laughs> and you underlined it with authority. I also have Texas. That sets up a Texas-Stanford matchup. It's tough, man. Uh, Texas has You already match. said who you're going to pick. I know. I just, you know, little Timmy Nolan, my boy, Coach Tim. He's at SC. Mick, those kids. Uh, Haglin, she's so due. But, man, you know. Well, no, that was Texas SC, right? Jarrett. Yeah, you went with Jarrett. Go so with now, Texas. now you have him facing off with Stanford. Left sides again. I have them going up against UCLA. You have them going up against Stanford. So you Remember? have you have battle of the left sides. I went UCLA because you went Stanford. Okay, so you have battle of the left side. That's going to be, yeah. if that comes to fruition, that will be a preview of the left side of the national team for the next 10 years. Can I go back to Texas SC? I think it's 16-14 in the fifth, and then they win because they're in Gregory Jim in Austin. I think it's going to be that, that good. Uh, I'm going to go with Texas. <laughs> Texas UCLA over. beat them last year en route to a national championship. Sealy out ball controlled them. That team caught the magic, caught the fire. I think they're going to have that fire and some of that magic through the bracket. But I think when they get to Texas, uh, a little revenge. Uh, I think it's Texas's turn. I think Texas beats UCLA. So you have Texas facing off with Penn State. In a rematch from 2009, for the great three years ago, one of the great where Texas I thought had it matches. I thought they had of all time. All right, hold on. I have Texas and Stanford in the You're going with final four. I already know. This is a tough one. I want to pick Texas. I, I want to pick them. I tell. I really want to put Texas in there. But and maybe this is because I've seen them. Too much this year in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I've seen too much Pac-12 volleyball, so I have two Pac-12 teams facing off for the national championship. I have Oregon and Stanford, which went five sets earlier this year. I believe at Stanford. I think that's correct. I have to go back and look it up. I have Oregon facing off with Stanford. You have Texas facing off with Penn State. You have a Big 12, Big 10. I think Texas' is only downfall is their ball control. Yes, in their big problem. It, 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 they can block, they can hit. They can block, they, they can, can hit. Serve. And Allison's been setting better. Palmer is kind of the X factor. They're libero. When she plays well, they don't lose. Right. They've been really hot until they lost 15-13 to Iowa State. Serve the ball. Webster and Eckerman, they're as good as any two left sides. That concerns me, and that's why I think if they got upset earlier in the tournament, it wouldn't surprise me. But I'm going to ride them all the way to the end. I think this is their year. I think they get hot in the tournament. I think the left sides completely dominate. I think it all comes together for him. And I think Russ Rose gets to the national championship game again. He plays Texas, but this time it's reversed. I think Jarrett gets his first national championship. I'm going with Texas Longhorns. 
do you get to give the speech before the national championship match? Do you get to call in? Yes. Okay. You have Texas winning it all. You have Stanford. I have Oregon versus Stanford. No way you're picking Oregon to win the national championship, are you? Stanford has a bunch of freshmen. Yeah. A whole bunch of freshmen. A very complete group. They dig a ton of balls. Jordan Burgess is like having another libero out there who could hit on the left side. Yep. Inky Ajanaku is nice and athletic in the middle, although I think yep. she's going to get burned up a little bit throughout the Oregon, tournament by teams. Oregon on the other side, best team they've had in years. I just saw an Oregon helmet that I wanted to buy for my house. There are a couple of them. I want the white one from the SC game, and I want the yellow one from this past week. I love the fact that they shine the face masks. It was $1,000. I do not putting $1,000 into a helmet. I'm with you. I wish I could because they're freaking awesome looking. I, yeah, okay, go on. Oregon has unbelievable facilities. I don't know how you recruit against them. They get the mad scientist at the helm in Jim Moore. It's a, ma- a rematch of Pac-12 play. I'm picking the Ducks. It's their year. Wow. Impressive. It's ballsy. Could look real stupid. <laughs> well, I think we both uh, picked teams I, that teams aren't going to. I mean, well, I don't think I'm Texas picking gonna be a lot of picks out there. Uh, I think Stanford and Penn State are going to get the majority of them. Some people will go with UCLA. Some people might pick Nebraska. I think Oregon and Texas kind of fall in that category, that next tier. Um, but here's what I think. I think Oregon's football team is getting jobbed. So I hope their volleyball team does well. Why is this? Why is this? We're going to talk college football now for a second. Why is the loss to Texas A&M seven days prior better than a loss to a good Stanford team at home in overtime? All right, is there hold that on. much that, of a difference? That's a scene for me. What, what's happened here? Okay, I, Alabama I lost two Saturdays ago to Texas A&M at home. They lost. Right. Texas A&M just flat out beat them. Right. The following, so they dropped them out. Okay. Oregon undefeated, Notre Dame undefeated, Kansas State undefeated. Kansas right, they State all lose rolled the up same by weekend, Baylor, right. so you're out. Yeah. Oregon loses in a tough game in overtime at home to Stanford, who's a top seven, eight team in the country. Yes. All of a sudden, Oregon's completely done, not in the conversation, but Florida, Georgia, and Alabama are. Yeah, where did are. Florida come from? And they almost lost to West Lafayette or something earlier. I don't know what, what, what they're doing, but they're out of the equation now. It's going to be Georgia or Alabama, whoever wins the SEC championship. I just don't think it's fair that Oregon's completely out. I agree. And that's my problem with college football. I agree. Do I not think do I think Georgia and, and Alabama are worthy of playing for national championship? Yes. Well I also the, think Oregon is. Will the fourteen playoff uh fix this or yeah, will you just absolutely. argue over the five and oh, six? Oh god spots? no. I want fourteen playoffs to be way better. Still gotta wait two years. Do we have our guys? There's just back? no yep. validity to this. You All can't right. argue it. I mean, remember, SEC Get our music going. Big twelve is I mean the big uh, really Texas A and M's a big twelve team. They're six months removed. Yeah. So you can't say, oh, Texas A&M plays in the SEC. It's not going for it this time. I'm with you. I'm with you. Love the Ducks. Appreciate it. I'm done talking about college football. In association with the American Volleyball Coaches Association, the NetLive is proud each week to present the best of what was and a preview of what will be in the world of women's volleyball. Are back on the show? They're coming right back because we have 64 teams that have qualified for this Division I Women's Volleyball Championship. They think the committee got it right. They seated it themselves. It's a little bit different, but we're going to go with what we have. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for calling back in. And Mike, Barnett, I'm prepping for the Root Beer Mile. Oh, Two hours. The Root Beer Mile. All right, we'll detail that after this, this goes on. You can hang on and, and tell people that about that. That sounds far more important than this. It, Absolutely. <laughs> you're not lying. All right, gentlemen, I don't need you to pick every single match, but in the Austin, Texas side of the bracket, give me one or two 
matchups that intrigue you, and then give me who's coming out of that bracket. Start with you, Mike. I like to see Miami and Florida. I think that's going to be a great second-round match. And Tulsa's not bad in the first round against Florida. I think that one will be really, really good. If Wichita State plays Kansas, that'll be really, really interesting. And we'll see what happens. Texas A&M, Texas will beat Texas A&M, but just because Texas A&M has left the conference, Texas will put a whipping on them. Okay, and who do you have coming out for Final Four from that area? USC upsetting Texas in the finals. Jared Elliott, the best coach, never to win a national championship. All right, USC, Samantha Bricio, you're picking the freshman on the outside. Better hope they keep using Texas those is, Texas ball handling and Natalie Haglin, those are the two factors that may be the difference. When Natalie Haglin yep. turns it on, she can beat any team on a given day. Hey, I'll, agree, I'll agree with that. I'll second the motion on Haglin. She's awesome. Rosenthal. First round matchups, I uh, I really want to see this North Carolina State-Texas A&M match. I think A&M wins it, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Brian Bunn at uh, North Carolina State has done a great job of uh, you know really turning this program around. The other matchup that I, I think is going to happen is uh, Kansas and Arkansas. I see both of those teams getting past uh, their first round matchups to meet in the second round. I think this is a real pivotal match because I think uh, – a lot of people want to see what Big 12 is compared to the SEC, and uh, I think this is uh, two really good teams that uh, will match up well against each other. Uh, the other matchup and uh, kind of the, that I'm really looking for is the San Diego State-St. Mary's match uh, that I think is going to be extremely, extremely close. I think Rob Browning does a nice job at St. Mary's, but uh, Dietrich Collins uh, having a wonderful year at San Diego State, so pumped to see that one in this Bracket or regional, I see Texas coming out. All right, Texas coming out. Brian Bunn, did he own a restaurant out in Baker? When did he start coaching volleyball instead? That's a classic name, Brian Bunn, North Carolina State. <laughs> I love it. Does Rosenthal sound like Bill Walton at all to anyone else? It's just me. <laughs> You've been watching too much basketball. All right, all right uh, you know, Sandy, I'm going to start with you here with this Berkeley, California side, and uh, I know. <laughs> I know who you're going to pick, but give us some interesting matchups throughout before UCLA goes to the Final Four again. Well, I think having to put Cal and North Carolina together again is is ridiculous. But um, you know, Cal's a team that 50 and 15 could surprise North Carolina. Even though North Carolina's playing so well, they'll be much more ready this year to play them. But I really like Tennessee and Michigan. I think it's a heck of a first round matchup to be able to do. And I think Michigan State and San Diego is a great first round matchup. And the team that comes out of there will be able to really push UCLA in the second round. Okay, so who's coming out Final Four? Say it. <laughs> Stanford or UCLA? Oh. Uh, that means he thinks Stanford is. If UCLA's setting situation is stable and they can play the same setter and they get to that Stanford match, they can beat Stanford if they have the same setter all the way through. Who do you have? I've got Penn State and Stanford playing for the finals right now. I love his honesty. I love his honesty. I'm all in on it with NCAA rules. my audio. Yeah. Nice job. All right. Uh, did Rosenthal already go? <laughs> He's Kevin the coach. Just, Let him talk. Yeah, Kevin just lost. Not, his, uh, I, I can't talk about my own area. Yeah, I think uh, here's a matchup that I think is going to be interesting is uh, I think the Louisville-Tennessee matchup in the second round is going to be interesting. And I think you're going to see Louisville uh, really get uh, the opportunity to play UCLA. 
Um, and I think that that will be a great matchup. Uh, Rob the Patrick other one that anyway. I thought it'd be exciting. Yeah, the other one that uh, I think is probably flying completely under the radar is Western Kentucky. Uh, I think here's a team that's been, you know, uh, in the top 25 all year long, and deservedly so. But I'll be interested to see what they do against Stanford. I think uh, the Cal North Carolina matchup. I think North Carolina is very physical, and I see them moving on. And uh, that'll be a good kind of fun matchup between Iowa State and Rosenthal, North Carolina. If you're telling me in Western Kentucky is a team to bracket, watch over Stanford, Stanford, Rosenthal, if you're telling me Western Kentucky is a chance to beat Stanford, I'm calling you from Costa Rica next Monday while I will be on my dime. I will call this show with you on it, apologize, and hand over this microphone to you. I'm just telling you, it's, it's an unbelievable crew, and they've got a uh, uh, a system that they know extremely well. And uh, if you're not used to playing against it, uh, as nobody is, uh, they can be really dangerous. All right, who's coming out of there for the Final Four? Stanford. Stanford. All right, moving on. Rosenthal will stick with you. Talk about the Omaha bracket. This is Oregon on top, Nebraska on bottom of that one. Give me your matchups and who's coming out. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. Oregon does not make it to the Final Four. I think uh, uh, it's got them winning been a it all. great year, and I think they've been tested all year long and have done a nice job. I do not see them getting out uh, to the Final Four. I think uh, BYU is going to be one of these teams that kind of surprises everybody. What? That's uh, what in I some said. Thank sense you. And gets a little bit further than anticipated. I like Dayton. Uh, as you do know they have to play in Omaha. That right? uh, could potentially upset Oregon. There you have it, wow. Dayton over Oregon. Dayton over in Oregon. The, uh, in the second round. You're aware that BYU uh, has to play half, outside of their I own think, uh, city. Hawaii and Nebraska. Uh, and I'm going to say Hawaii. So you have Dayton and Hawaii. I'll give Hawaii uh, the nod for the Final Four. Wow. Look at that. Whoa. Wow. That's a good one. All right, Mike. If Fanzan's healthy at Washington, Washington will maybe come out of that rip bracket. Okay. You don't like any of the matches? She's, that, she's huh? that good. Depends on how good she gets back. But Hawaii will have a, you know, a chip on their shoulders. And last time they had a chip on their shoulders, they got all the way to the NCAA semifinals. So I understand that from what Brandon's saying. But um, Nebraska is just so tough in Omaha. And I think that's, that they actually got a perfect bracket for Nebraska. It's a chance to get revenge against Kansas State. They'd love to see Washington and Hawaii to get revenge against them. And I think they can beat Oregon. Their block is just their blocks can give Oregon fits if they have those two plays. And, again, Dayton gives a chance. I think Pepperdine's got a shot at beating Dayton, by the way. Nice. All right. Sandy, take me through the Penn State bracket that's not full of much till Minnesota. Well, I'm sleeping the first two rounds in State College. I mean, I can, I can you know, basically drive to West Lafayette from there and skip the first two rounds. But I think Penn State's only competition is whether Florida State gets to them. Everybody else is wide, wide open. I mean, if Florida State gets to them, if they've played Minnesota twice. Russ Rose does not lose to teams. He's played a couple times. knows exactly how to play. He's got a really good lineup. They've got excellent ball control. They've got all the things in, in place to, to win the whole thing. And so I think Florida State, with their 6-2, can give them a little bit of trouble because there's not as many 6-2 teams in the Big, in the big Ten. Okay. Rose. Yay, yay. I think Penn State, Kentucky play. Uh, for the opportunity to uh, play in the uh, regional finals. I think Penn State wins. And then on the bottom half, I think uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to go with – 
Purdue over Florida State to play Minnesota in a matchup, uh, a Big Ten matchup. I will take Minnesota. Uh, I will push Penn State on. I think uh, it's they've just had too much success, and I think programs with that much success uh, find ways to win at the right time. I will put Penn State through to the Final Four. Undoubtedly, Penn State has found ways to win, whether they're converting outside hitters to setter or whatever it is that they're doing. They have found ways to win. I will grant you that. You and I have the same matchup there in the Elite Eight. I have Minnesota coming through. I'm just uh, banking on Hugh McCutcheon. I'm putting all my faith in He's him. got Oregon winning the national championship, guys. That, that's where his mind is. I do. I do. Maybe I'm smitten with the helmets. i got to tell you what I would love to see now that I think about it, and I saw what Jay Hosick posted on, the, on our site. Can you imagine... BYU or Dayton taking on a Washington or Hawaii in Omaha in the Elite Eight, what those people would do back there. I mean, that place wouldn't know what hit them. That would be great for the NCAA to see that. Well, BYU is going to go. Remember the name Jennifer Hampson. She is going to be – she should be a first-team All-American. She had an incredible year. And the, actually, the match I want to see over there is BYU and Arizona State. Jason Watson going back to uh, Provo. That's going to be a good one. We talked to her about it. Hey, gentlemen. Thanks very much. We look forward to a fantastic weekend of volleyball, and we'll have a lot to talk about come Monday. Definitely. I think we'll see some major upsets by Monday. Gator, good to have you back. Gentlemen, that's great. Volleyball. Good work, gentlemen. See you in a couple weeks. Yeah, Gator's got a good wins style. the Lakers. Hey. Yeah. <sighs> Don't get him started. Oh, man. It's like a wind-up toy right now. Seven and seven. Mike yeah, Donheimer. in ratings unless people are watching him now. Uh, no, no, no. The ratings actually are flying through the roof, which is a good thing. So I'm safe. <laughs> on the one cable Believe me, we get those things every night. We know what the ratings are. All right, Mike and uh, Brandon, thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Later, bye. All right, College Volleyball Weekly concluded for this week. And, boy, we, next week we will have some things to talk about with all those matches having occurred. I think we have our next guest, Gita. We're just going to keep it rolling because yeah, you know rolling. you're on a tight schedule. Millie's got to be picked need up in school. to introduce this guy. I'm going to tell you about this young man. He grew up in the 818, the San Fernando Valley. He went to a, an elementary school, grades 1 through 8, St. Catharines of Siena is where he grew up. You could see that in the movie Boogie Nights in the background after he gets beat what? up. Yes, there's a picture of the Lord. It's unbelievable. That's our church, St. Catharines. He then followed in my footsteps, two years younger than me, to Crespi High School. By the way, standout basketball player as well. Once lit it up for about 28 in a game, I believe, in a Delray League game. Went to UCSD, was the player of the year at UCSD for that squad. He was their MVP, played opposite, was phenomenal. Uh, he started his coaching career as a head coach at UCSD, and then he is now the head coach at LMU. He completely turned that program around. Uh, I'm excited to call him a friend. He's a good man. I'm very proud of what he has done and what he's accomplished. LMU in the tournament for the first time since when, Barney? 2006? 2006. Thomas Black. Tom Black, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having me on. Tom Black. Just a ball of excitement over there, aren't you, Tom? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. We're fired up. And, uh... Just so you guys know, I know you have a couple of lesbians on the panel, but uh, that guy Geeter sitting next to you is the only point guard in L.A. to never get picked bringing the ball up the backcourt. Thank you, Tom season. Black. Thank you, Tom Black. That is an absolute. You never lost the ball in the backcourt? Never in my senior year. Never in my senior year. I did not, <laughs> have it. I did not get picked ever or throw ball away on a press. I did get I had some turnovers, but never got picked. How was league for Crespi then? <laughs> what do you mean how was league? We played Loyola, Notre Dame. Our league was nasty. Alabama, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Barney, you wouldn't even, you would have gotten cut. I don't know anything about it. You would have gotten cut from our team. I did get cut my junior year. Man, oh, man. 
Tom Black was a great, great athlete there at Crespi. People don't know that about Tom. He bomb balls at UCSD. Did you play against Tom? Yeah, I played against Tom. Stomped UCSD a couple of times, but... Kind yeah, of, kind yeah, of I think, there wasn't much I appreciate it, Chris. Tom. I think you're getting a little overboard. Though. Yeah, he probably cheated. Don't worry about it, uh, Thomas. <laughs> they, they, needed, they needed <laughs> some more pieces to surround Tom. <laughs> now, Tom, this amazing run. How excited are the girls when you guys – did you guys watch it together, uh, the ESPN show? Yeah, we actually didn't. Uh, the girls were uh, all over the place with their homes, but we were uh, we were talking to each other, so we all knew right away. And, yeah, we, we, uh, we all exploded. It was a great moment. Did you think you were going to get in? Uh, I didn't at first. We thought we, – we knew um, – I think our fifth, the last game, we lost to BYU, and we knew we had to win all four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we lost lost in five at the end of San Francisco. We didn't think we were going to get in. But then we knew who the bubble teams were, and we saw teams losing, and uh, we thought we had a better chance as the week went on. What about your conference, Tom? I mean, six teams getting in. Just two years ago, Kevin and I on this very day doing this show complained that WCC only got two teams in. It was a complete farce. I think the coaches in that conference either got together or decided uh, individually, we're going to start going out of conference, we're going to start flying places in the preseason, we're going to start playing top 25 teams, and we're going to beat them, and that's how we're going to get in. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, we. Uh, my first year was a pretty low year for the league. We were we were ticked off. I remember at the uh, coaches' meeting, they brought in someone to talk to us about the RPI, and I think a lot of us didn't understand how the RPI worked very well. And uh, that was a big light bulb for a lot of us. And yeah, then we did what you said. We we went out of conference and tried to tried to play the best teams. We thought we had a chance of beating, and it it really paid off. The league kind of transformed itself. Tom, how much has the administration uh, supported you? You know, Kevin had said this earlier on the show in terms of. LMU is back where they should be. I mean, Kevin and I both know where that campus is. It's beautifully yeah. located. Uh, try to just, you know, explain how the school's really gotten behind you guys and really, you know, they've pushed for volleyball to be good again, and I think that's that, that's a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I loved being at UCSD. I didn't plan on leaving, but I thought the opportunity here was, was unbelievable, and, you know, they, and that's what they communicated to me when I was getting interviewed, and, yeah, Bill, Bill Husak, our athletic director, and Dan Smitty, my supervisor, they've been amazing. Um, yeah, they've been behind us every step of the way, so it's uh, it, it's been fun for everyone. You know, it's something everybody's trying to take apart and has been excited to see grow. So with Western Kentucky on the horizon, this is a team 32-3. and three. What do you know so far, and what are you going to tell your girls this afternoon? Uh, I mean, they're they're a really good team. Um, we they're actually it's, it's kind of funny. Their offense is really similar to St. Mary's, which we didn't expect coming from a, a Midwest team. But yeah, the thirty-two and three, I think that usually means you're pretty good. So uh, we know that going in, and our, our conference has just been brutal this year. So I, I feel like we're ready for whatever we're going to play. Um, it's just been a war night in night out. So you know, we're expecting that. Yeah, six teams in indicates that the conference is definitely of high quality. How does this? challenge your team from a logistics standpoint where you're not sure you're getting in and then you do get in and all of a sudden you have to do all the planning and obviously you guys have been practicing as though you're going to get in but there's always that uncertainty and the upheaval with yeah. school and everything else and kids from Thanksgiving. I mean, There's a lot going on right now for the team that you have to as the head coach kind of try and settle down and, and manage. Yeah, I think we, we kind of tried to front load it last week. Um, you know, a lot of it, it's new for all of us and I was kind of in a weird spot because I think when from the time I got in here till now, it was just it was trying to raise the level where the the tournament seemed like a million miles away. So for it to actually be a reality, it's um, it's kind of an exciting surprise. But yeah, I think we're ready to go, and we'll, we'll start practicing again hard. They're all in the weight room right now, and um, 
yeah, I feel good about where we are. Hey, Tom, how, how important was, you know, uh, you and I have talked over the last couple of years, obviously a player that played for me her senior year, uh, Tara, has done a great job for you guys. And then you get a yeah. Kathleen Luff from Georgia. You're starting to get that athlete, I think, that you need to be successful at that level. How important have those kids been for you? Uh, they've been everything. Um, Latara, as you know, you know, she won a gold medal through the Sports Act. Uh, she's been huge. Uh, we set her about as much as you can possibly set a middle. Uh, you know, we've tried to create a different, couple different sets. We can get her the ball more. And uh, Kat Luff, I mean, she, yeah, I mean, she came in from Georgia, and I mean, she changed our season in a lot of ways. There's, there's no way uh, we're here without you know the contributions she made. So, uh, yeah, we, I mean, that's something we identified right away is we need a higher profile athlete and. Um, We've been able to get that. And then, you know, some of the kids over here have been huge contributors. You know, Kenner Cross is a senior, gets to lead us into this after, uh, you know, four tough years. So it's exciting for all of them. You know, Tom, what's what's the sell that you guys, you know, when you're out there recruiting? Because I, I was saying it earlier on the show, I went for a basketball game maybe last season, and it was a beautiful day, and there's kids just chilling on the grass at campus. It's five minutes from the beach. It really is a beautiful place, and, and, and I, I don't know if a lot of people know that until you actually get on that campus. Yeah, um, well, I think the sell is pretty easy. Like you said, once they get on here, I mean, we're so close to the beach, and I think with sand volleyball now, um, our uh, our spring is pretty unique. I mean, we're practicing three days a week indoors and three days a week in the sand, and then we get to you know have to compete on the sand as well. So the whole year is, is a pretty cool experience that uh, not many schools can match. Uh, it's been yeah, it's, it's it's not a hard to sell once we get them on here, and uh, and now as we're having more success, you know, the national awareness is a little bit bigger, and that always helps the recruiting efforts also. So. How about the religious aspect of your school? It's a Jesuit university. How does that play with a lot of the kids and work into your recruiting? Well, along with Peter, I'm a, I'm a devout Catholic. You know, we spent 12 years of our life just pounding the Bible and going to church. So uh-huh. that's, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's been a big part of it. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's, that's part of the fabric here. I, I think one of the things I'm impressed with is that on you, though, it, it's really a uh, it's really open. Nobody's nobody's trying to stuff the faith down your throat. There's a lot of people with a lot of different faiths and beliefs, and uh, I, I enjoy that. Is that a concern at all for kids or parents when you are talking to them about coming to your university? Is that a question that comes up, either positively or negatively? Uh, it's not a, like I said. It's not a concern here because it's a it's a pretty open vibe. I mean, we're definitely Jesuit, but there's all different faiths, and it's kind of you know if you want it, it's here, and you can go as deep with it as you want. But if not, then you know that's okay too. We're that's probably a little bit more school by school. I mean, it's the, a Los uh, some schools school might be very strict about it. You know? Los Angeles here, it's, type. It's, it's a lot more open. Tom, before we let you go, tell us about uh, the travel plans. I mean, this is exciting time for the kids. And, and, you know, I mean, you were a former college athlete, so you get it. And parents. And, and parents. I mean, this is, this is a fun time. How do, you, how do you have that line of, hey, listen, I want these guys to enjoy it. I want them to remember every moment, yet I'd really like to win some games <laughs> while I'm in this thing. So, <laughs> you, you know, it's really twofold. I, uh, you know, I think I, I really believe that big moments take care of themselves, and you got to just prepare the same. Um, so, I mean, it's you know, it's a normal week, but it's not a normal week. We're uh, preparing the same way and practicing, but the, the emotions are obvious, and that just kind of carries you through it. But I don't think you need to spend a lot of time thinking about it. I think that'll take care of itself if, if you're doing what you need to do to be ready. Did you guys practice yesterday or get together after the announcement? Uh, they they got in the gym last night and just served a pass and played a little bit, but we'll start official practices again today. How excited were those kids, man? Oh, they're all, yeah, I mean, they deserve it. They've they've gone through so much. I mean, especially being able to see it firsthand of where they started and where they've gone. I mean, they deserve every bit of excitement that they're feeling. Tom, if Geeter invited you down on a Saturday morning to the beach, could you still crush balls? 
Uh, on Geeter, yeah, most people know. But him and I might be in the same boat. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's no question about that, bud. Tom Black, congratulations. <laughs> Great job thus far at LMU. Really, as we've stated here a couple of times, returning that program to where it ought to be. Good luck in the first round of the Thank tournament. You. Very proud of you, Tom. Good job, bud. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. All right, Tom Black, head coach at Loyola Marymount University, back in the tournament, first time in six years in only his second season at that program. That is a, a really a fantastic job by him. Let's take a short break. We're going to be right back and uh, wrap things up here on the Net Live. Kevin, Geeter, and uh, about half of Jeremy. Yeah, so glad I showed up today. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions. related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to the sport's biggest stars. Whether you're interested in the junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmags.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends naturally energized water bottles company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. You don't want me to tell you the story again about crushing Millie. Every time I drop down, she asks if I'm going to be there. <laughs> There's some story we were supposed to get back to earlier. Oh, it was Rosenthal and the Root Beer Mile. Detail that for a second because the Root Beer Mile, this is uh, something I got a chance to watch last year. I was actually down there for the A-Sun tournament. This is held by the track team as a fundraiser. You bring your own root beer. Is this at, at Lipscomb? At, well, it's held at a local high school. Yeah. They, you have to chug a root beer. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. I take it back. Run a lap. Chug a root beer. Run a lap. Chug a root beer. Run a lap. Chug a root beer. Four times. Run a lap. <clears throat> chug a root beer. And hold it all down. You throw up, you're out. Sounds it is awful. awful. Sounds and awful. they all wear costumes. It's like six man. And it, it, does he do it? He did it last year, no costume, but he showed up to do it. I should ask him if he had a costume for this year. Wow. He threw up on lap three. Couldn't handle it. It was absolutely, oh, no, it's tragic. 
website. Why? <laughs> Why would you have this photo up, Kevin? I don't know who put that up. It was on my pegboard back there. Oh my God, he's wearing like what are those painters pants? What those are, are hammer those? pants. Those Zubas, are, buddy. Those are hammer pants. Zubas. It was '92. Look at my Jordans. I will say this: you are wearing Jordans. Look at my Jordans. I mean, how old are you in this photo? How old do you think? It's my senior photo. I have that Captain in high school picture yeah. that Josh took. That is Captain mm-hmm. Barney. That is Captain Goof. He looks like he's 12 years old. I I was a senior in high school. I am 12 years old. Sorry, I know no one can see what we're looking at right now, but I will take a photo of it. Wait a minute. Derail this. Oh, that can't go off. Oh, my yeah. God. The only reason I showed up today was for this I photo. put up some funny photos on our Facebook page. Jeez. There's nothing funny about that photo. So that's the Root Beer Mile, <laughs> Geek City. Uh, my next show will be... The following week, what are we doing from... Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. So next week will be the Sweet 16 round. Yes, we have Jay Hawkins here in studio. Then it goes to the Final Four, so you'll be on the road. When do we do the show? No, no, I don't leave to go. Final Four is over the weekend. I'm actually back. I'm coming back on Saturday. I will not be there for the finals. Okay. I'm going don't on Wednesday. Don't we like to do Wednesday. a preview show from before the Final Four? We do a show at the Final Four. Okay. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure when that show will be. Maybe on Friday. i got to look at my schedule with ABCA, but that, that all just got figured out last week. Man, I'm so bummed I can't go to that. It's always fun. We've okay. had, and we have great shows because we just have people wander by. You know, we've had Hugh on all the time. We've had Russ Rose. We've had Kevin Hambly. We have all kinds of people that just wander by and, and get on the program. So we will endeavor to bring you that as well from the Final Four. That just got arranged, so okay. will happen. All right, kids. Appreciate you being here. Good times. Later, thanks, everybody. Gator. Gator's out of here. Thank Big you, thanks to Tom Black of LMU for coming on, Jason Watson of ASU. Brandon Rosenthal and Mike Sondheimer for checking in and doing brackets and doing work before the program began and has always given their informed opinions. As to the State of College Volleyball, this is it. Championship week starts this week. Going to be good. 64 teams vying for that one championship spot. And uh, you heard our brackets. Fill out your own brackets. If you want to be in a bracket challenge, you want to go on our page, we'll have it posted here in just a second, VolleyballSourceMag.com. And remember, there used to be a Kill on 2 tournament with Cam Kirk Kill on 2 now purchased by Volleyball Source Mag. They will have a bracket challenge. I think they've had uh, awards for that before, so get on there and do that. We'll have that up on the Facebook page momentarily. But thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Jeremy, I uh, hope you're healthy by next week. Mm-hmm. You're hurting. And we will, we will spray that mic with Lysol right now and other kitchen yep. disinfectants. And she took the plastic down. bag off of it that I had on there earlier. Well, I found that highly amusing. <laughs> hey, it's the Live for another week. We'll see you next week. Uh, we have Jay Hosick here in studio. I'm sure he'll have an opinion or two, and we'll have our usual opinions along with our experts and reviews of the week past. Keep playing some volleyball, even if it's raining and 30 out there, folks. About 16 sunny here. Sorry. Not going to lie. It doesn't suck. You and I go
using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.